Welcome to Aiba Interviews. I'm Cole with Aiba, and today I am joined by Mallory Hines, the Entertainment and Exhibits Officer for the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. Mallory, thank you for being here with us today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Cole. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, you and you are coming off of um, actually, you know, backing up your event, which typically is mid uh, mid February to late February, was maybe one of the last large-scale events of its kind that we had before uh, the pandemic really took root here in the United States. And uh, you have just come off of um, completing your 2021 event with COVID ad adaptations. That um, is correct. We opened the Thursday before the second Saturday in February annually and have for 72 years. And we had an event last year and we just had an event this year. Yeah, and I'm sure that that is a night and day entirely different experience, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Yes. Um, so let's just get right, right into it. Um, one of the big things is that, you know, this year you don't have the carnival, you don't have the side stages, um, you don't have all of the uh, extraneous events that usually do so much to add to the fan experience and atmosphere um, that you guys are known for. So I wanted to ask you how you thought about um, how that would affect your event and what adaptations you made both in the planning of the event itself and the marketing when you were speaking to your, your, uh, your patrons. Sure, sure. Um, so to kind of give you the little backstory, what we normally look like, as I mentioned, is an 18-day event. Um, we typically have 21 or 22 rodeo concert combo performances in the AT&T Center, home of the San Antonio Spurs. So we're about 17,000 capacity typically. Um, as you mentioned, all of the things a fairgrounds entails, um, including five outdoor stages. So over 120 bands there shopping well over a million guests. You get it. This year we were around 18 days, different pieces ran different lengths of time. Um, we had 16 rodeo concert combo performances in a 3,900 capacity <laughs> distant scenario. Um, we had a very limited livestock show, very limited youth rodeo component of our horse show for those of you fair folks out there that understand that aspect. Um, we had about 50 retail vendors instead of well over 200. There were no outdoor stages um, and there was actually no access to the general public. You either had to have a ticket to the rodeo concert, you were one of our volunteers here, or you were an exhibitor who was allowed two guests. Um, so we had to have controlled numbers of people in very controlled situations. So as you alluded to, we had an event, it looked very different. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and this was, um, you, you mentioned leaving the AT&T Center for this year and it was at the Freeman Coliseum. Yes. Um, and, and you mentioned the capacity of 3,900. That, that was your dialed back capacity. Correct. So Correct. the building itself you know, is, is operating at a percentage of, of what it typically would. Correct, at 43%. Yeah. Um, and so we went on a wild ride to get there. Um, and what kind of happened is, you know, we, we came off our event last February, obviously March, the world changed. Um, we sat and observed and then pretty quickly went, huh, we need to be getting ready in case things look very different for us a year from now. Um, so we called it our plan B. We started building our plan B and at uh, some point said we are activating plan B. <laughs> um, and what sparked my piece of plan B was actually talking to an agent and fellow IEVA member um, who said, don't give me an offer for a normal show and then call me back later and go, oops, I can't afford that. The capacity's mm. changed. Let's change the deal. They said, you're walking into a situation that you know is going to be different. Show me an offer that represents different. 
Um, so we got all of our department heads in a room. Marketing came in to look at all the budget and the sponsorship pieces. Finance was there, obviously. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Operations, what can we do? And we spent days and days pouring over the general ledger going, what can we afford to do? What would these restrictions allow? And at what point would these restrictions, if they alleviated, allow us to have the normal event? And the quick answer was, as long as we have to have social distancing, our plan cannot change because our capacity cannot change. Um, and so that's when we made the choice to move into the Freeman Coliseum next door. It's a vintage 1949 building. We are grateful <laughs> to have it on our property. We had been using it for our shopping and kind of a trade show scenario. And we were able to take advantage of the limited technology, the ease of operation, the affordability of operation, and quite frankly, the layout allowed a really decent capacity with social distancing. The sure. other piece, as you um, so perfectly asked, and we talked about so much was, what is our fan experience going to be if we have to present a different event? Yeah. Um, and so the big thing for us became not fixating on trying to have the same event, because that's a dead end in terms of these capacities. It was how can we create something that makes sense, is in the spirit of what we do, is representative of our brand, but doesn't tarnish the brand and experience that our fans know and love. Um, so we didn't want to sell them a ticket to what they know is this big rodeo and concert and they come in and there's no screens, there's no people, there's no fans right. and lose those fans. Um, so we actually dubbed this the retro rodeo and kind of <laughs> that into the campaign um, and really protected the original brand and said, this is intentionally a different one time only. We're going back to our roots um, with a retro feel and we wove that in everywhere in the show. Um, we pulled old videos, old sound bites, um, <laughs> old imagery. We even kind of changed our booking a little bit to bring in some legacy acts and just change the whole feel to protect that fan experience. Yeah, and that kind of thing works on several levels. And and plus, um, you know, you mentioned leaning into the history. Uh, as I understand it, Freeman Coliseum was the site of the rodeo for an extended period of time. So I'm sure there's yes. a, a treasure yeah. trove of memories there that you could mine. Yeah, you have done your homework. Um, our last <laughs> event there was in 2002, then the arena was built and we moved right next door. And as I mentioned, kept using it. So it was a neat um, throwback and people were able to go back and go, I, I had seats in here, now I'm back and get to feel that. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason we felt like it was so important to do that as a once a year event, as I mentioned, we've been through this 72 times. We, um, as we say, February is rodeo. We wanna own February on people's calendars. Um, and so that's another part of that experiential piece is like, we don't mm -hmm. want you to forget that we're part of your entertainment when you plan your year. So we felt it was important to get something in there. Yeah. And, uh, and again, just emphasizing what you said, having it reflect in their minds differently than the full blown yes. rodeo experience that they've come to know as of late, um, giving you the opportunity to return to that. Uh, in future years and, and they just have a separate experience in their minds, but it was also great, just different kind of great. Exactly. And we thought about, you know, what makes the experience great at an event like ours? And we went, mm -hmm. okay, it's good food. It's good drinks. <laughs> it's good entertainment from a variety of sources, be that the sport, the music, the ability to go shop, which we think is entertaining um, and it's variety and value. And so we kind of went through it piece by piece and said, how can we bring these elements that create an experience 
protect this brand that's over here on the shelf, but still give a really nice event to people that are coming to join us. So our concession partner helped bring in liquor, which we don't normally sell liquor in that building. <laughs> yeah. And as little as that was, it created bar areas that our sponsors worked with us to give some atmosphere to. Mm -hmm. um, we brought in retailers, you know, made, made sure to have shoe shine, made sure to have someone selling saddles to be very on brand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It is the rodeo after all. <laughs> it is after all. Um, and it's also a great concert. And so one thing that was an interesting experience for us as we looked through costs, we went, man, lighting is expensive. Um, and I, I fixed it in lighting because we almost, we had it on the chopping block and went, we've got to have concert lighting. Maybe we don't need this big rig for the rodeo. Mm -hmm. And then as we looked at what, how a light and a sound tells you how to feel, it tells you what you're going to experience. We said, we can't cut this line item. This is part of that fan experience to see a beautiful show. Um, so we had to go through and make tough decisions of what we needed to protect that experience. Yeah. And, and yeah, speaking of tough decisions and, going from protecting the experience, protecting the brand to protecting the fans themselves. Uh, obviously this year required a lot of um, thinking through the COVID protocols. I wanted to ask you what, what type of things you implemented at your event. Uh, I know that there was a cool down tent, uh, which sounds like a very Texas feature to me. <laughs> uh, pod seating was something that was going on. Can you just tell us about some of the, some of the extra steps that you took this year and, uh, and, and where the intel to implement them came from. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the capacity was a state guideline at that point. And full disclosure, at this point, very famously, Texas is pretty all systems go. Yeah. Um, but that was not the case when we were planning and executing our event. Um, so state venues were at 50% capacity with some social distancing caveats. And those were six feet between people not in the same household. And for that, that looked like two empty seats and an empty row in front of and an empty row behind. So we created pods. Ticketmaster was instrumental. They came online really early in this experience with a pretty cool technology and algorithm to help build those pods. Mm. Um, so we sold the tickets in two, four, six, or eight ticket pods so that you knew if you bought for your family of four, there was no one in front of, no one behind, and no one within two seats on either side of you. And so that is how a 50% capacity quickly became actually a 43 by the time we <laughs> yeah. all those yeah. rules. Um, and that was great. Um, we actually did digital ticketing as well for the first time. Um, right. We've been very hesitant to adopt such a thing um, for a crowd that is very used to tried and true traditions. Um, but COVID forced our hand in a way and it went really well. Um, it created a completely touchless experience. And quite frankly, when we had some weather challenges that caused some shows to move around, digital ticketing made that so much easier because a new ticket came on your phone instead of dealing with paper. Oh, nice. So that was a, a big plus. Well, tell um, me about the cool down tent. Sure, sure. And so that was kind of um, part of our major pillars. Um, we looked at what are we going to ask of everyone? And that was face coverings required over the age of four even when you're seated, unless you're eating or drinking, we just blanket applied that so it was easier and more equitable to enforce. Um, social distancing, we use the markers on the floor, everything we're seeing now. Um, and then we did tip screening. So at the entrances to the property and at secondary entrances, say you'd walked across the fairgrounds to get to the arena, we then checked again. Um, we used what's called a temp defend thermal sensor. And that was, so you just walked by it. You didn't have to stop, be checked, uh, that whole thing. So it expedited. 
if you hit over 100 degrees, you were taken over discreetly to a cool down tent. And the reason, and it is a very Texas thing because in February, it can be eight degrees as we learned this year. It can be 90 degrees. So you may have had the truck heater in your face, or you may have had the heat of the sun in your face. Um, So we took you over, let you sit down for a second, let you have some water, chill out. And then we checked your temperature again to make sure that we were not um, unnecessarily turning people away. I just like that as an example of, you know, just thinking through every step of the process, you know, the different situations you're going to encounter, um, like you said, in both directions of, of weather. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, the thing we hear and have heard the last year is work with your local authorities, work with your county, your city. I cannot thank the medical community enough um, here in town. They worked with us and gave us opportunities, gave us ideas, suggestions. And I believe that was something the fire department here had seen um, and kind of encouraged us to implement. Yeah. Now, did you have any um, any obstacles or uh, any, any planning tips when it came to communicating these standards to your patrons? Sure. Um, our marketing team, I cannot thank them enough or give them all the credit <laughs> in the world for the organization they showed through this process and just staying calm and collected. Um, they put together a plan for our entire staff. Everyone had input and then everyone got that final plan. So we knew on what day, what was happening. Because of course, we're all getting hit from our own industries, from media, whatever it is. What's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? At that point, especially here, things were changing rapidly. Um, So what we kind of did is we committed to a date at which we would release the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was about a month out for us. Um, We would have the most information available. Um, And so we came out a month out through web and socials. And what was really helpful about using those digital mediums that can be edited, um, and I'll use the example of our ticket holders. We wanted to get that message out to ticket holders so they knew what to expect. But we knew if we sent an email with all the verbiage, something would change. So we actually drove everything back to a link that could be updated in real time. Just a small example there. Um, Very smart. But things were, it was an ever evolving situation. Yeah. Um, The other big thing we did, we just, we wanted to be transparent at every single turn. Um, Because when you hide something, people have questions. So we had nothing to hide. We invited the media out to the property to see everything firsthand. Mm -hmm got our CEO on site, our medical liaison on site and said, ask away, ask us the questions. So they could then take that story back to the five o'clock news and go, Hey, here's what's going to be happening at the rodeo. Yeah. It gave them a good and and accurate look at what to expect. And that that way, you know, expectations aren't uh, out of line with reality. So. Absolutely. Now, were there any, any lessons you learned along the way in, you know, rethinking your whole event that you're planning on incorporating as a, as a permanent part of your plans for, again, when we're back to normal soon? Absolutely. Um, and those were the things really that the things we learned are the silver lining in all of mm-hmm. this. We are not glad that this happened, but we are thankful for pieces of this experience because it did make us better. Sure. Um, especially in the once a year event industry, um, a dear Aiba friend across the industry said, we do things by rote. We get used to every March, I do this, every April, I do this. I tweak, 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 but this is the event. We had to break down and start over. Um, and through that came a lot of good. Um, financially, it caused us to trim the fat. 
Um, and I think there's things we realized once we dug into that we never need again, mm -hmm. or we can reuse that money in a better way. Um, it forced us to unsilo across departments. Um, this would not have happened without every single person on our staff um, working from their perspective. And it really caused us to lay our finances out on the table across the company and go, okay, marketing, what does it cost you to promote a show? Operations, what does it cost you to get this show off the ground? Um, what are we spending to print hard tickets? Um, and we really just laid all that out. And so I think it, I, I'm already seeing it changing the way we work cross-departmentally. Um, a shameless Aiba plug that was really cool. Um, for years, I get to come to this conference and meet these wonderful people. And at the end of our meeting, we shake hands and go, well, I hope we can work together someday. Mm -hmm. Our capacity changed the way we book. It changed the budget. It changed the focus. We now had this retro theme that had kind of a, a legacy lean. Yeah. Um, so I got to call Aiba friends and I'll pick on uh, Bob Kincaid. <laughs> Great guy. I've never gotten to work with him. I got to call him and go, Bob, let's do a Lori Morgan show. Yeah. And it was really wonderful. And I think the, the, end of all that is I want to find a way to incorporate that into the fairgrounds. Um, so we are actively re-looking at our stages and our budget going, how can we find a home for some of these great artists? Um, and kind of the, the last thing, and this is cheesy, um, <laughs> but the thing we learned is know your why and make sure your staff knows why. For us, our why is our mission is to educate the youth of Texas. And so we do this to provide scholarship mm -hmm. dollars. And so that was key at every turn. If we can't have this event, we can't provide scholarship dollars. If we can't get people to wear their masks so that we have this event, <laughs> we can't provide scholarship dollars. And I think that was really important because there were points at which you go, I don't know if this event is happening, but we have to keep our staff focused that it is mm -hmm. and keeping them focused so they know that their hard work will help to educate the youth of Texas kept everybody on track. Um, so it was uh, a, a tough experience, but we're really grateful for all the things we did get to learn from. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll even add to that because, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, me doing my research before as I was on the site, like that that mission was everywhere. Everywhere I looked, Good. Uh, you know, Good. about this event, that mission came through and uh, it sounds like it was likely reflected uh, in the staff as well. So um, just one more, one more question before we wrap. And this one is uh, kind of, uh, I guess, from a more personal angle, um, but a lot of us are going to be wondering this and I have to ask, what's it like to be back? How did it feel? Um, better than I even could have imagined. <laughs> um, before we opened the gates and I say gates loosely, it wasn't the normal <laughs> math of people and that was sad, but to smell, this is so cheesy, but to smell a funnel cake and a corny dog for the first time, we were almost in tears. We were texting going, do you smell that? Do you smell and the other piece was to watch these crews walk in and go, I haven't played a show in a year. Thank you for putting us back to work. Um, our sound and light team, they stood there going, I love the sound of a chain motor and I've missed yeah. that. And so to be able to experience that ourselves, but to provide it for other people, unbelievable. Well, uh, I, you know, it's, it's so nice to hear that. And that's something that we all have to look forward to in the coming Definitely. months as a, uh, you know, we'll cross our fingers that things continue to trend in the right direction. Um, but Mallory Hines, thank you for being with us today, for sharing this experience that you've been able to have of, of you did it. You got through an event during, <laughs> during, uh, during COVID, did. you did it. 
And uh, we did. And thank you for having me. And thanks to so many incredible members of IEBA. I know that sounds crazy, but <laughs> I could not have done it without the wonderful friends I've made over the years that I called and said, hey, we've never done this, but let's do something. So our thanks go out to so many people for helping us make it possible. All right. Well, we'll end it there. That's a wonderful note to, to end on. So thanks again. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it.